Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini, and for many kids with special needs, the ability to concentrate or even sit still in class is challenging. We've given lots of names to these issues. Attention Deficit Disorder, Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, Oppositional Defiance Disorder, Difficult Kid, Problem Child, the list goes on. And if you think about it, it's a very negative outlook on these children. Well, there's a relatively new process of working with kids that have these issues that tries to do away with all that negativity. It's called a nurtured heart approach. It consists of a set of strategies that assist children in developing their self-regulation and transforming the way the children perceive themselves and the world around them. And it's created a huge amount of success by concentrating on positive behaviors instead of all the negative behavior. Now, for this episode, we're joined by Dr. William Rowell, a retired psychologist with Pine Rest Christian Mental Health Services in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who spent the last five years training parents, educators, foster parents, social workers, and law enforcement personnel in the Nurtured Heart Approach. He explains how the Nurtured Heart Approach works and why it's more successful than other strategies, and how making a paradigm shift in your thinking could make all the difference for your special needs child. I started off by asking Dr. Rowell to talk about his background and how he became interested in the Nurtured Heart Approach. Okay, well, I'm a clinical psychologist uh, with a Ph.D., and I've been practicing for, well, several decades. And back in 2007, I went to an all-day presentation of the Nurtured Heart Approach and uh, always on the lookout for effective ways to help parents deal with their kids in, in healthy fashion. And I was so impressed by this approach, which really allows parents to have a set of tools that can be very effective with actually any child. And so I came away from that all-day presentation, and then I studied uh, by listening to CDs and DVDs and reading books about it. And a few years later, I developed my own set of slides and presentations and began teaching uh, the Nurtured Heart Approach to parents. And the response has been just very gratifying. Uh, and I currently teach two classes per quarter, six-week sessions each. And uh, we continue to find that this approach works very well, particularly with the what we used to call a difficult child. Mm -hmm. And we prefer to call them intense children at this point because it's less, well, there's not as much of a stigma kind of attached to intensity as there is with difficult children. Mm -hmm. Can they be difficult? Of course they can. But I I found that this was really, of all the approaches that I had been exposed to over the years, uh, this was the one that I could present to parents without hesitation. I tell them there are no negative side effects to the Nurtured Heart Approach. So how did how did the Nurtured Heart Approach get started, and uh, how did the uh, whole process come together for it? Yeah, it was developed by Howard Glasser, who, uh, <laughs> he's a self-admitted difficult child, mm -hmm. and he had been a milieu therapist for a number of years, and then he took a 10-year break to pursue his artistic interest, and he came back to clinical work wanting to work with families. And he found that as he was working with families, he started to think about his own experience as a difficult child and, and because he was finding that conventional methods just weren't working with these kids. In fact, it often made things worse. 
So in reflecting on his own experience, he realized that the big thing was, when was the energy flowing for these children? Well, it's flowing most often from us when things are going wrong. Mm -hmm. They make a mistake, and we are energetically right there letting them know about the mistake they've made and going on and on about the mistakes they've made. Mm. And when things are going well, we do nothing, or very little. We might say good job or thanks, but nothing like the energy we give around the negative. Well, he, he started trying this with kids, and he found how well it worked, and with the parents. And, of course, he get, would be sent even more difficult kids. And it worked with, no matter what the level of difficulty was, if applied intensely, it could help change their lives. Hmm. And what he looked at was not just changing their behavior, but transforming their lives. Because these kids build up such a negative portfolio of images of who they are. What they have in their portfolio is picture after picture of them making mistakes, not doing the right thing. And it isn't long before they see themselves not just as somebody who misbehaves, but as a bad kid, not good. Mm -hmm. And he realized, well, we can't change the past, but we can help them to see themselves in a better light. And the way to do that is by building their inner wealth. And he developed procedures on how to do that. How do we help these very uh, these kids who really don't like themselves very well begin to appreciate the greatness that lies within them? Well, that has to happen through the recognition that adults give them. And he realized it's all about energy flow. When do we get energy from those around us? Well, he it's upside-down energy, or at least it has been and is in conventional approaches, because when energy flows around the negative, what do you get? More negative behavior. But for people to switch and turn it right side up, that's what we found is quite a challenge, because what we're asking them to do is give as little energy as possible to what's going wrong and start noticing and energizing all of those times, those moments, when things are going well. And even with the most intense children, there are moments when they're in control of themselves, they're managing themselves well, and those are the moments that we want to lift up and celebrate, and through those moments, build their inner wealth. That's interesting. You know, there's a lot of parents that, uh, and not just for what we call intense children, but just parenting in general, could probably uh, really be uh, changed and, uh, I think... Uh, you know, improved, shall we say, because uh, so much, uh, you know, thinking about it myself, so much uh, of parenting techniques are kind of unfortunately based on correcting mistakes rather than uh, encouraging exploration, if you want to call it that. Well, in fact, that's what we found is, uh, and he's written another book about that, and that's uh, All Children Flourishing, because what we realize is when parents start uh, using this approach with the intense child in the family, <laughs> the other children want in on the game, too. And uh, when they are also noticed for their uh, successes, they continue to blossom. And it works with, in fact, it isn't just about children. When I'm teaching a class very quickly, 
I point out to them, you know, this will work with your spouse, <laughs> and it will work with your friends, and it will work at work. Mm-hmm. And very often I'll have people say, well, I took this idea into work, and boy, did it make a difference. Or I tried it on my husband or my wife, and boy, did that make a difference. Because this is really about developing healthy relationships with all of the people in our lives. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, if the relationship is based on the exchange of positive energy, of noticing the successes that people are having, it can't help but build the relationship. Right. So that instead of looking at what's wrong, we shift ourselves and we look at what's right. And we don't stay focused on mistakes that people make, because they're just mistakes. And once they're done, they're done. Leave them alone move on to the next success. And that's key in this situation because even with difficult kids, we can, if we are very uh, careful, we can see more and more successes. And what we do with our classes is to teach them how to do this, how to help them. Uh, You talk about mistakes with intense children. The thing is, With intense children, if we try to use conventional methods, it makes things worse. Because conventional methods have as their goal to squash the behavior, to dampen down the intensity. And when you try to do that, it's like trying to put a lid on a boiling water. You know, it's going to fight back, it's going to push back, and Mm -hmm. kids will. And so now you've got more and more negative energy flowing in both directions and frustration on both sides. And it just it doesn't move forward. It just makes uh, the situation worse. And so we really need to be aware that this intensity that scares us so much is really life force. And we shouldn't try to medicate it. We shouldn't try to... Uh, dampen it down with our reaction to it, we should learn to celebrate it and help kids channel that energy, help them direct it, help them increase their ability to manage those behaviors. And that's what the Nurtured Heart Approach does, is to help them look at those intense feelings that they have and learn to manage those, learn to channel those into productive behavior. Because if you think of it, the real people who accomplish a lot in the world tend to be pretty intense people, don't they? Mm-hmm. Definitely. They're not, they're not your blah couch potatoes. They're out there in the world moving and thinking and creating. And we, we want to bring to light that greatness that is in all people. And with these intense kids, they become truly great because it's all in there. We just have to awaken it within them. Yeah. Now, um, just for uh, just for clarification's sake, because a lot of parents are probably going to be wondering, well, do wh- what is an intense child and what are the definition of an intense child? Are there some standards or guidelines that people can use to determine? Well, the, the characteristics of an intense child, they can be intensely active, and then we want to label them and call them ADD or ADHD. They can be intensely uh, sensitive, well, then maybe they're highly anxious. Maybe they have some depression. Maybe they're 
are somewhere on the autism spectrum, uh, but they show a sensitivity. They show uh, being tuned into the world in a more intense way than other children. Mm-hmm. And we moved away from using, wanting to be tied to diagnostic labels like ADD or oppositional defiant disorder or somewhere on the spectrum because those labels, they lead us to believe that once we have a label, we understand a, a person or a situation. And I have yet to meet in all my years of clinical experience and life experience anybody who isn't much, much more than any particular label we put on them. Mm-hmm. So if we look at intensity as here's a kid who approaches life in an intense way, they do it with high levels of energy, they do it with high levels of sensitivity, they do it at a high level, uh, and that's what the intensity is. They live life with great energy, and that's intensity. Yeah, so the the idea is to get away from the labels because the labels can also... Uh, connotate some negativity, and already, you know, we've made a judgment here that... Exactly, because we take the behaviors and we turn them into symptoms and then the symptoms into a syndrome and then in, then we've got a, a label for them. And that does such injustice. There's one, there's one slide we use to kind of point this out in terms of how we see things, and it's a green dot on a an open white space. Mm-hmm. And when you show the slide to people, immediately their eye goes to the green dot. But what occupies most of the space? A white open place. Mm-hmm. And even with intense kids, you could have a thousand uh, green dots or black dots or whatever, but there'd still be a lot of white space in between. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to look at. When are things going well? How can we energize that? Well... We teach parents how they can energize that. There are specific approaches, specific methods. We have, we have, uh, you know, the basic notions that we have. Uh, we call them the three stands. And the three, st- you know, when you take a stand, John, it has to be taken with real clarity and it has to be taken with determination. Because mm-hmm. a stand's not a wishy-washy thing. And you can't do this in a wishy-washy way. You've got to do it firmly and with conviction. And the three stands are, the first one is absolutely no. Now, what that means is I will not energize negativity. I will not accidentally foster failure, nor will I reward problems by responding to them in animated ways. I'll give my time and energy for searching for success. So you start with absolutely no, and that is toning down the energy you give to uh, a behavior, negative behaviors. Then the next step, the next stand is absolutely yes. And with absolutely yes, you have to be relentless in pulling the child into positive behaviors by noticing the small positive behaviors that they already are uh, displaying. Maybe it's as simple as they are now not fighting. And to notice that the negative behavior has stopped is very powerful. And so you're saying yes to, I see you being under good control. You're managing your feelings very well. 
you may still be upset, but here you are. You're not hitting. You're not screaming. You're not shouting. I'm so proud of you. Giving that energy to them being in charge of themselves. And the third one is absolutely clear. That is, you have to have very clear rules and guidelines and very clear consequences for when those rules are broken. Now, the truth is that this approach has to be built step by step. The first step is absolutely no. You have to stop energizing the negative or there's no room to be energizing the positive. You've used your energy up. So you've got to stop using energy for acknowledging, recognizing, and celebrating, I guess, the negative behaviors. And when you do that and make room for the positive, you have to give good energy to the positive so that the kid knows, if I want a relationship with you, here's how I'm going to get it best and most likely to get it. And, John, the truth is, this is all about relationship. This is all about the relationships we develop with each other. And that's why we say, you know, improvement in behavior is not what we're looking for. That'll happen. But what we're working on is transformation. We're looking to help these kids transform, and, and others around us, to transform from someone who sees only and it's recognized only for their negative behaviors and what's going wrong, to someone who begins to develop a new portfolio of first-hand experiences of pictures of themselves being in charge, uh, doing great things, following rules, being creative, and being celebrated for all of those positive things. So this is, this is not a superficial behavior change kind of tactic where it's going to be okay if we just make Johnny sit still at his desk. That's not really what we're looking for. We want Johnny not just to sit still, but to take that energy he would be using to wiggle around. Maybe he still wiggles, but we don't energize that. We energize the fact that he's also ready to learn, and he wants to learn, and he's curious. And these intense kids, I'll tell you, when I've seen them in my office, they just are very bright and curious and energetic. And do they want to walk around and do they want to take a hold of things and look at them and study them? Of course they do. Nothing wrong with that. But we cast it in a negative vein. Our fear says, oh, my gosh, don't let him touch that. He might break it. Well, the truth is I've had some fragile things in my office, a ship with all its strings of rigging and so forth that these kids love to look at. And there's no harm. They don't harm them. They're very careful with them. It's just we can't be afraid of their intensity. We have to celebrate it. So then the, the absolutely clear, we've got to be clear about what our rules are. We, you know, and the funny thing is that the clearest rules are those that begin with no. No hitting, no screaming, no fighting. And we tend to want to give rules in positive ways. Be respectful, be thoughtful, be careful, be kind. And that's, those are nice concepts, and we, we help parents learn to teach them in connection with behaviors that reflect those values. And when the behavior is occurring, like Johnny's no longer hitting his sister, we can say, Johnny, thank you for not hitting your sister. That shows a lot of respect for her. 
and you're being very kind. Thank you. So we can recognize the value when it's being uh, demonstrated through a particular behavior. We call that a first-hand experience of that value. And the consequence, we have to be ready to give them all the time, just regularly. We make the comparison to video games, okay? The kids like video games. <laughs> do they stay enthralled with them? They do, for hours. And why is that? You know, the ADHD kids who they can't focus on their homework, but boy, they can stay with that video game. And what we see is these video game developers are very smart. They know that to keep the kids' attention, you've got to have them have success after success after success after success. And they're small successes, but boy, do they go for them, you know? And they, if they have a, make a mistake, what's the worst that happens? They don't make a level. They die, but then they respawn, and they have more lives, and they go right back into the game with even more energy and intention to be successful. So why don't we make life like a video game? Hmm. Why don't we make it so interesting and rewarding for them to do the right thing that they want to stay in that positive flow of energy? They don't want to get out of that. Why would they? I mean, right now, for a lot of kids, they want to be out of that relationship of negativity, but they don't know how to get out. That's the relationship they have. That's what we've offered them. And that's not a very happy place for anybody involved. And so when we stop giving them negativity and we start sharing our recognition of the strengths and the positive behaviors they have, then they want to be in relationship to us. We do an exercise to kind of demonstrate this um, where we have people line up and there's one person who's the identified child and we go through and we have um, one set of responses to that child about getting up in the morning and they shouldn't be doing this and why, do, why haven't you gotten ready and what's the matter, you should get your backpack ready and when they hit school it's, you know, your handwriting is really bad, you've got to learn to do better and it's all negativity. But the nurtured heart approach says, Look, I see that you have made the effort to get up this morning, and I really appreciate that. And it looks like you've even gotten breakfast down before it's time to go. And you are so kind to your brother this morning. It's really thoughtful of you. And when they get to school, it's, we're glad to see you. You know, you've written just a very nice paper here. The handwriting's not great, but the important thing is the content, what you've written. Well, when we have people go through this experience, what happens is, when the when Sarah, who's the, the child, is being told these negative things, you can see her shrink back from the people who are talking to her and closing off what they have to say. And when the people who are uh, celebrating her, she wants to move toward them. And that's the reality of relationship. Hmm. If we are being acknowledged in positive ways, we move toward those people. And when the negative is coming, we move away. So these intense kids, like the rest of us, they want to move close to us. They want to be in relationship with us. We have to make that inviting to them. We have to celebrate who they are. 
That's interesting. So it's it's really more of uh, changing the way the parent or the teacher or whoever it is uh, deals with people. It's more about relationship building than actually uh, getting the child to change their habits. Well, and that's exactly right. Uh, it's it's about uh, we adults paying attention because we have a choice. We can choose whether we look at things in a positive light or we choose to focus on what's wrong. That's our choice. And our efforts here are to help adults make the right choice, which is, of course, let's look at what's going well, because there's always something going right, even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. And so, yes, it is about that. And it's about, in fact, Friday I gave an all-day presentation to uh, 70 professionals social workers, psychologists, people in the mental health field and other health fields, with the idea that here is an approach that you can use with your clients, with the people that you work with. I've used it clinically. It really makes a difference when you are saying to people, what went right this past week? I I know you have depression, but tell me where you were able to push past that. Tell me what you are able to accomplish. And no matter how small that accomplishment, you celebrate that. Because you say, you're saying to them, you are more than your depression. You are more than your high levels of anxiety. You have within you the greatness that can help you to overcome the difficulties that you're facing. So yeah, it's all about us adults learning. It's not, <laughs> and there's no fault, no blame. We never we make it very clear to families and to everyone. There's no blame here. It's a matter of what tools you had. What were you told? What kind of uh, tools were you given to manage life? So, yes, it's about us grown-ups. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, you know, there are there are a whole bunch of other different approaches to parenting techniques and, of course, the... You know, Amazon and other uh, places are just full of all kinds of books or video series and approaches. What would you say to parents uh, who might be considering the nurtured heart approach, but they're not sure about whether to give it a try? Well, what I say to them is, I do say, it's the one approach that I have studied and have used now for, well, I first was introduced in 07, so for the past 10 years, that I, I just can recommend without hesitation. There's no limits to it. It's not one where you have to be creative and come up with some special consequence for every uh, misbehavior uh, or where you give them chances by one, two, three. Well, three is a given. You know, <laughs> if they know that you're going to count to three, they're not going to respond on one. Why should they? The message you're sending them is you got three chances. And I just, why should they, I I think they could explore it. They can go on to uh, childrensuccessfoundation.com and take a look at what's there. Uh, They can go on our website on PineRest. It's pinerest.org slash NHA. And we have information there about this approach. Uh, they can pick up one of the books, the 
a difficult uh, transfer, transforming the difficult child, or we use in our classes the transforming the difficult child uh, workbook, and uh, glance through it, and they will see that it's it's uh, really very uh, accessible for everyone. It's not easy work because it's a paradigm shift. They have to move from, I'm going to stop the behavior through uh, addressing the negativity to turning it right side up and say, I'm going to have a relationship with my child that is based on noticing their successes and celebrating those successes. And I think that's probably the most difficult part of this because you really do, like you say, have to change the way you're parenting and uh, change your entire philosophy. And, uh, you know, we we live in a society where people think that, well, we'll just uh, read this book and everything will be great. No, you have to actually work at it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I tell them right from the first time, uh, when they first come into the first session, what I say is, congratulations. I admire your willingness to be open, and the courage you have to think about changing what you've been doing. It's not easy. And, I, you know, they're supported all the way. Every step they take, Every by the second session, we start with celebrating their successes. And that success may be as simple as they actually read the first chapter in the book, or they showed up for the second session. It doesn't have to be big, just like with the kids. We call it uh, miracles from molecules. Just any piece of behavior that's in the right direction is worthy of celebration. And and parents will very typically say, you know, it made such a difference. All I did was stop yelling. <laughs> so their first response, negativity, was to dial down the volume. And it can make such a difference just doing that and gradually doing less and less. You do what you have to do to stop, you know, behavior that might be harmful, but you don't have to do it in a loud way. You don't have to do it with a lot of words. You don't have to do it uh, with a loud volume. You can do it quietly and just move children out of each other's space or whatever it takes, but it doesn't have to be uh, a lot of energy. And, and and that's the big thing, is it, t- turning down that volume on the negativity so that they have energy left to notice when things are going right. Yes, it's a process. And that's why we take a little time to do it and, and make sure that we are acknowledging their successes all along the way so that they have the same experience that their children have of being in a relationship where they're going to be celebrated for their efforts. Right. Now, you do um, six two-hour sessions for parents in the Nurtured Heart Approach. Okay. Um, Maybe could you give us a quick rundown of what each session is like and uh, what the parents will learn? Sure. Well, in the first session, we talk about, it's kind of gone like our conversation, we talk about the origin and the evolution of the the Nurtured Heart Approach and about how our glasser came to do this. And we talk about the importance of building inner wealth. And this concept is when kids feel good about themselves inside, they really are prepared to deal with the challenges of the outside world. If you feel good about yourself, it's really the antidote to so many things like 
getting involved in drugs, from making risky, uh, risky behavior decisions. It really makes a difference, and that's what we're doing. We tell them this is not about changing what's outside only. We want to change what's inside. Then the outside behaviors will change. And we talk about the fact that every one of us has a portfolio, has a set of pictures about ourselves. And unfortunately, for most particularly intense kids, there's a lot of negative pictures there. We can't take those away, but we can start by adding new, more positive pictures to that to that portfolio. And we give them an experiential that I talked about, a, a direct first-hand experience of what it's like to compare conventional methods with the nurtured heart approach. We introduce them to the three stands. Uh, absolutely no, absolutely yes, and absolutely clear. And we clarify that it is not about attention-seeking. They are seeking a relationship with us. We are the prize. We are their favorite toy, and we are their prize, you know. Uh, and we talk about the video game comparison. And we want to make clear with them that... Uh, they are what the children are seeking. It's not, you know, that's why token economies don't work. Unless they're connected to a relationship, people even get tired of M&Ms. So we have to make it important to them. And bottom line, in the first session, too, is the no blame. There's no blame. You just didn't have the right approach or the right tools to do what you wanted to do. And we, and we introduced then they stand one, absolutely no. The role of energy in this whole situation, that uh, you really have to be shifting your energy because kids will be aware if you still are approaching them fearfully or with a lot of negativity, and you can put the words out there, but they're going to pick up what's really underlying it. If you begin to change how you're radiating your energy, then the changes can begin. And we ask them then to practice for the next week, just dialing down the level of negative energy. Then starting with the second session, we begin with sharing successes. And we do that every session and allow them to kind of look at what steps are they taking in the right direction to take this on for themselves. And then we introduce stand two, absolutely yes. And we clarify that this is not praise. You know, praise is, we give it to people to make them feel good. What we're talking about are ways to recognize the behavior in a way that it registers that it's true. It's true. And so we tell some stories like uh, baby steps that any of this is going to move along at a slow rate, and we're going to celebrate, just like we do when a child first walks, we do not hesitate to openly celebrate those stumbling first steps, right? We just, we're just we just so enthused about it, but somehow that falls away, and the simple accomplishments of big day get set aside and not recognized. Well, we ought to be celebrating those. We tell a story of the poll taker with really demonstrates the idea you're in charge of how you see your world. You can either see it as a bad job and difficult situation, or you can look at some of the more positive aspects of what's going on in your life. 
and then the uh, miracles from molecules, making sure that you don't have high expectations that I'm going to wait and catch you being good, wait until you've done some fantastic thing before I'll celebrate what you've done. I'm going to celebrate any movement in the right direction that you accomplish. So how we look at things determines how we're going to behave, and we get to be in charge of how we decide we're going to look at things, and that it is our choice. So by the third session, they have enough background that we're ready to share how do you move on praise? How do you offer recognitions? Well, there are four different recognitions that are very powerful in bringing to light what kids are doing right. And they're compared to cameras, and we go through them like an act of recognition is simply like uh, a Kodak, just a picture, simply describing what you see the child is doing and saying it out loud to them. Maybe the kid has, is just playing quietly with their toys, and you walk by and, you know, this is not maybe the usual thing for this kid. They're usually running around, but maybe for three seconds they're sitting down and they're actually playing quietly. Notice it. Tell them that you see them playing quietly. Actually, you're playing quietly with your toys. That's great. Walk on. doesn't have to be any more than that. And then the proactive recognition, or like a Canon camera, Canon's also our laws and rules, <laughs> it celebrates rules not broken. Now, this is a tricky one for a lot of parents. I want to recognize that right now, in this moment, you're not screaming, you're not shouting, you're not hitting. Isn't that interesting? Because the truth of the matter is, that's showing great self-control, so you can add the, the value there, too. And so this is an important approach because it allows you to create success from something that would seem to be a difficult circumstance. Let's say you're in an argument with the child, and the child pauses ever so briefly to take a breath even, whatever. It's okay to jump in there and say, you know, now you're not arguing. I really appreciate that. And then you can say that shows a lot of respect, that shows consideration. You can build a, add a value to that. And the, the, uh, the next important part is consistent consequences. And with kids, we teach parents how to ask them to do things. So it's a creative recognition as well. We ask them not to, you know, how do we usually ask kids to do something? Would you, could you, please, or we demand it of them? And they can be pretty unresponsive to us at times. Sometimes our requests are very vague. Go clean your room. Well, that would seem to be clear to us, but to a 7, 8, 9, even a 14-year-old, that can be like, uh, well, what do you mean by that? So we encourage people to make requests that are very specific. Make it easy. Make Lower the bar so that when you make a request, it can easily be met. So in the cleaning the room thing, you might instead say, okay, let's start with picking up all of the stuffed animals on the floor. And if they resist, you simply say, you don't play into the resistance, you simply 
simply remind them that this is the task. I need you to pick up, I need you to, or it's time to, or phrases we use, I need you to pick up all of the stuffed animals. Well, I don't want to. I'm not going to do that. I need you to pick up the stuffed animals. Which one are you going to start with? And you don't you don't play into the negative. You just move on. Maybe you make a game out of it. But the idea is that you just stay with it. And then when they do respond to it, and they usually will, maybe it takes a couple of times, then you say, thank you so much. Look at that. You put the first animal on the bed. Which one are you going to do next? And just break it down so that they can have success after success after success. And when you do that, then the response to request becomes much more positive for them because you're asking them to do something they can do and you're so celebrating the steps they're moving in the right direction. They don't have to have completed the whole thing before they get some of your energy. And, and you're going to find that it builds. And when they're acknowledged for a success, they want to have more successes, and there'll be a lot of uh, changes that they begin to make, and that's how we build into them the sense that life's going well. Now, we have to build this foundation of absolutely no, absolutely yes, before absolutely clear makes any sense. Because the consequence <laughs> is nothing more than an interruption of the positive flow of energy. So if you haven't set up the positive flow of energy, eliminated the negative flow of energy, the consequence, which is essentially just a pause, a reset, will have no meaning and no power. And, of course, parents usually want us to start with how can I get them to stop doing this, right? What's the consequence that they'll suffer? And it's the old punishment routine. Uh, and punishment doesn't work. Quite frankly, it doesn't work. Our prisons are filled with people who are raised with bad, bad things, you know, crime and punishment. You make a mistake, you get punished for it. And this is not that at all. This is quite the opposite. We're going to celebrate your successes and we're going to have that energy flowing for you as you're being successful. And when you stop being successful, you don't get the positive energy. That's it. So then we teach them uh, about resets, which are very difficult, because resets are difficult for us as grown-ups, because that means we have to stop our energetic negative flow. And we have to take a breath, walk away, do what it takes in order to approach the situation in a more matter-of-fact fashion when we're giving a request. And that's, by by now, we've reached the fifth session. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're working on restarts. And the reset is we stop energizing. Or we might even say to the kid, reset or pause. And as soon as they pause in the negative behavior, then we welcome them back. And this is the critical piece. As soon as they stop, we celebrate that. We say, thank you. I appreciate that you've stopped arguing. I appreciate that you're not running around the room right now. You're standing still. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And we welcome back them back in to that positive flow of energy. Now, sometimes, but not often, sometimes there's a restoration that's needed. Let's say that they punched a hole in the wall. 
and we celebrated them for not now punching a hole in the wall. And we haven't been punitive about it. We just said, you know, I appreciate that you're not doing that. Uh, and, you know, this is a pretty important thing. So I want you to think about what might, what might need to be done with that hole in the wall. Now, if we haven't been mean and, and punitive, they're willing to have a conversation with us. If we simply say, wow, that, you know, you were pretty angry, and, yeah, there's a hole in the wall now, I guess we need to do something about that, don't we? Well, yeah, I guess so. And, uh, well, I really appreciate the maturity you showed by not punching another hole in the wall and by uh, maintaining control over yourself. Using that mature thinking, what do you suppose might we might do about that? And then you can begin to collaborate with them about how the hole in the wall could be fixed, and that would be a restoration. Hmm. So it sounds a little strange in the sense that that's not how we're used to talking to our kids, but it's what makes the difference. Right. And in the sixth session, essentially what we do is, is take all of the parts of the previous five sessions and help them to learn how to, as we call it, notch it up. That is, how do you use the three stands and the reset and the breathing to settle yourself to dig deeper and deeper into this approach so that gradually you become the approach. This is how you deal with your life and with the people in your life. And there's a cycle that you can go through, and at any point you can call to mind one of the three stands and some of the actions that would express those stands, and you can use those to address the situation at hand. And that's it. Hmm. That that's just amazing, you know. And the the whole idea of just simply making some changes in the way you approach your child, or for that matter, the way you approach anybody, uh, can actually make such a, an amazing difference. And I know um, you pointed out, and you mentioned this, of course, the the prisons being full of kids uh, or adults who spent their whole lives being punished for behaviors. And I know they've talked about using this approach in several prison systems. How does that work, and uh, where, do, where do you find that uh, this has been making a difference? Okay. The, uh, the reason it works with even the most difficult people is even the most difficult people want to have better relationships with others. I mean, there are going to be exceptions, they're going to be, but for the, for the most part, I mean, New Jersey is committing $12 million to using the Nurture Card approach for their at-risk uh, adolescents in the various programs they're doing. Well, what uh, Howard found in working with the really difficult kids is you just have to do it more intensely. That is, you have to be more willing to uh, stand by and do as little as possible when they're being destructive. You stop them, but how you go about stopping them doesn't have to be punitive or mean. It may have to be firm. It may have to be direct. But it doesn't have to include saying things that put them down, that make them feel bad about themselves, that make them, you know, you treat it as a mistake. Or you treat it as, you know, okay, that's done. Now I see you've settled yourself. Now you're going to celebrate any piece of correct behavior, positive behavior that they have, because 
when you understand that the underlying principle is that you want to be nurturing who they are, you want to be celebrating any movement in the right direction, with people who have been so damaged, and I'll put it that way, been so damaged by our conventional approaches that they have wound up in prison, they've got a long fight back to have be recognized and to recognize within themselves the goodness that they have, the greatness that they have within them. And that's why we use the concept of greatness, because greatness resides in all of us. And it doesn't mean we have to be an Olympic gold medal winner. It means that we have to be open to expressing the positive qualities that reside within us. And if we can celebrate any little glimpse of that that we get, then we're going to help that person move away from this negative portfolio that led them to feel like, why bother? People think I'm a crappy person anyway. Why should I make any effort? And now all of a sudden somebody's saying to them, no, you're not. Yeah, you've made some very serious mistakes. You really have. But I think there's more to you than the mistakes you've made. And I see it in whatever small piece of behavior you can, can notice. You know, while you've been in prison here, you've really been a model prisoner. You've really done a lot of things. You've studied. You've, you know, you've learned a lot about whatever it was you were studying. You've tried to improve yourself, looked like you've been trying to prepare for being back out in the world which is hard now because we don't do much rehabilitation in prisons. But the point is, even the most difficult person can be reached if we are very specific about behaviors that we're seeing in that moment, because then they can't deny that they're happening. You get past their defenses that say, no, not me, no, not me, because I'll do this with tough kids in the office. They will come in, and I will point out to them, you know, these are kids that supposedly aren't supposed to be able to sit still, but in my office, because I'm just talking with them and they're drawing some pictures and no big demands on them, they're following through, and I can say to them, you know, I really appreciate you've been working hard on the things I've asked you to do for the last 10 minutes. You haven't fussed. You haven't jumped up and run around the room. You haven't done any of that, have you? And they say, well, no, I haven't. Well, that's really great. I really appreciate what great self-control that is. Or they'll, you know, they'll go walk around the office and they'll pick up something and they'll look at it. They'll ask me usually, can I look at this? And I'll say, sure. And they look at it and they're very careful with it. So there's another opportunity. Look at you being so careful with that. I know you know it's delicate. And I really appreciate how thoughtful you are about that. And they just beam. Nobody's told them before how great they are. And so that's how it works. You begin to plant a seed that you see their greatness within them. And gradually they awaken to their greatness. You can't punish people <laughs> into greatness. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You have to awaken them to it. Right. It's like that old joke line, the floggings will continue until the morale improves. It doesn't uh -huh. work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Well, now, you're located here in West Michigan, and, of course, the podcast has a lot of listeners around the country as well as internationally. Where can the audience or where can my listeners get more information on the Nurtured Heart Approach and find out if there's any sessions being offered in their area? I know we've mentioned the website and some books already, and uh, maybe just go over those again. The website, to, uh, yeah, the Children's Success Foundation, uh, dot com is the best resource because it'll have a place called resources and in that it will have a list of certified trainers in all the states and all the countries that have certified trainers all of that listing is right there and the contact information then they can make contact and find out if classes are available in their particular area and we do have uh Certified trainers uh, in the U.S., in Australia, in Europe, in uh, United Kingdom, Japan, and I think a couple of other countries as well. That's great. And then uh, how do people get in contact with you, of course, if they want to find out more about you and uh, your particular practice? Well, I think at this point the, the best way they can reach me is through my Pine Rest email, which is William.Rowell. R-O-W-E-L-L, at pinerest.org. All right, great. Great. Well, Dr. Rawl, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast with us today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to share this with other people, and thank you so much for uh, giving me this opportunity. Of course, we have all the links and information that Dr. Rawl mentioned on the homepage for this episode on our website, specialparentsconfidential.com. A reminder to please be certain to share this episode with everyone you know. We have social media buttons on our website as well that make it easy for you to do this. We also have a new way for you to support Special Parents Confidential and to help us to be able to pay to continue these episodes. Click on the Support Special Parents Confidential link, which will take you right to a special PayPal account where you can make a contribution. If you found this episode helpful or if you found any episode that we've done worthwhile, please consider to make a contribution and help us continue. Thanks for your support. And that's it for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening.